Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out all of my written reviews you can read on my website anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. I also want to let you know that I do another podcast that covers films of the 1980s. It is called Around the World in the 80s Movies. You can search for it wherever you're listening to this right now, and you'll probably find it. Today, speaking of 1980s, this is a film by somebody who's been around <laughs> making films. There's a lot of classic films from the 1980s. Terry Gilliam is who I'm talking about. His latest movie called The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. I'm kind of excited to see this, not only because I'm a fan of many of Gilliam's films, but also Don Quixote by Miguel de Cervantes happens to be my all-time favorite book. Terry Gilliam wrote this film along with Tony Rissoni. The main star is Adam Driver, along with Jonathan Price, who plays the titular Don Quixote, Olga Kurilenko, Stylan Skarsgård, Joanna Ribeiro, Oscar Hinata, Jason Watkins, Sergi Lopez, Rossi De Palma are all in this film. It's an R-rated film. It does have language, sexual content, and violence. The runtime is two hours and 12 minutes. Now, Terry Gilliam's passion project. If you know anything about Terry Gilliam at all, if you follow him at least for the last 10, 15, 20, 25 years. You know, this is his passion project. He's been trying to get this film made for decades now. And it finally here is arriving on the big screen after production limbo, a variety of aborted efforts to try to bring a Don Quixote film to completion. Now, the closest that he came before was back in the year 2000 when he began filming with John Rochefort as Don Quixote and Johnny Depp as the would be uh, not really Sancho Panza, but kind of in that role. However, there were a series of mishaps in that production. You had environmental disasters like flooding and insurance snarls, and his lead performer in Rochefort ended up falling ill. He ended up having a severely painful prostate infection and then the herniated disc that led to the film's derailment. And the only film that he would get out of all of that experience was a documentary on the making of that film that ended up becoming a theatrically released film on its own back in the year 2002 with a pretty good documentary, if you haven't seen it, called Lost in La Mancha. Now, many years later here, Terry Gilliam finally is making it to the finish line. Yay! With his seemingly quixotic quest, this time with Jonathan Price and Adam Driver in the roles, originally meant for Rochefort and Depp, he has a new direction here for the script that keeps the events in the modern day in the guise of life imitating art imitating life. The previous script had Johnny Depp going back in time to the 17th century. This one stays for the most part in the modern day. Adam Driver here, the main star, he plays a hotshot, hothead director named Toby. Toby's attempting to shoot a commercial out in Los Sueños, which if you know your Spanish means the dreams. In Spain, and that commercial has elements of, I guess you guessed it, Miguel de Cervantes' epic Don Quixote. He's been down this road before with that material. A decade prior, Toby was shooting it as a low-budget student film in the area, not too far away, when he was a humble and film student, first getting his taste of the movie-making business. He had the perfect Don Quixote for that film, a shoe repairman named Javier that he had discovered and had to mold into some sort of actor, frustratingly so. Now, many years later, Toby sees the aftermath of what he left behind a decade prior in the small village he once shot in. He finds Javier, who happens to now think he is the true Don Quixote. He's been living his life as Don Quixote ever since. And what's worse, he believes and truly insists 
now that Toby is his long-lost squire, Sancho Panza. And from there, the fiction becomes fact. Toby finds himself on this wild ride to try to corral Don Quixote to sanity. All the while, he himself begins to question his own grasp on reality with a series of adventures that may or may not be a fantasy of his own. You can kind of see where the story goes from there. If you've seen any of Terry Gilliam's films, you know that fact and fantasy merging and blending in ways that are not quite known, even to the audience, is something that he's definitely known for. Now, not surprisingly, this review of, that you're hearing here of The Man Who Killed Don Quixote is in keeping with the reviews of most of Terry Gilliam's output. I find all of his films to be admirably visionary, but narratively confounding, some work better than others, though, but this one is a mess, but it is a glorious one. It's never quite uninteresting because of Gilliam's penchant for ribald visuals and surreal comic developments that will keep you curious even when you've lost all hold on exactly what is going on. It's a film that's hard to kind of stay with the wild ride. Sometimes you're going to be having a white knuckle ride trying to cling to any sense of uh, explanation as to what's going on. For much of the runtime, though, it's actually very thoughtful and it's fun. Even if it is uneven in spots, you get used to Gilliam's unevenness before it does finally succumb to the director's penchant for excess, especially when he's given enough budget to explore his every whim. The second half of this film, in particular, goes all out into this lavish production with meticulous costumes and hair, makeup and sets. You can see where all the money goes for this film, but you may kind of lose interest in where the story ultimately goes during these moments. In some ways, the film itself is kind of a meta-statement to Gilliam's own form of filmmaking, from the quixotic quest to persevere in the face of perpetual failure, to the film about the filming of a Don Quixote adaptation, to the blending of the lines between fact and fantasy that are sidetracked by a variety of conflicts that become consuming until perhaps even Gilliam in his obsessions has lost track of which way is the right one to pursue in this film. Soon the characters that were set up in the beginning of the film all begin to act in ways that are not exactly in concert with what we've seen before in the hallucinatory and overly long climax, especially when you have a rich and powerful Russian vodka power player that begins to fund lavish costume balls in the area, leading to this feeling that everyone has become infected with some sort of malady that has them accepting roles to play that no longer represent a reality that can be easily snapped back to normalcy. There are religious elements within this film, as with a lot of at least more recent Terry Gilliam films, they're all drawn into the mix. Undertones become overtones, Christians, Muslims, and their conflicts in various ways that are explained here without really being fully explored to any thematically satisfying way. I think what's better here than the unfocused but you know, still passionate material are the performances, particularly by the humorously whimsical Jonathan Price. I think he's terrific in this film. He played more of an everyman in Gilliam's Brazil way back when in 1985, but here he's going full bore into this kooky character of the Spanish peasant turned errant knight, wearing this prosthetic nose piece that's only obvious if you're adequately familiar with the actor. Adam Driver here, well, he's normally a terrific and very versatile actor in his own right. I do think he does labor with some of the material's inconsistencies, particularly in his own character, at least to a few awkwardly handled moments. One of them includes this impromptu Eddie Cantor-infused song and dance act that seems out of place even in a film this absurdist, and it's kind of a telltale sign that this is a movie that's written and directed by a man nearly 80 years old that's writing this role for a contemporary young man who's just a few years out from making his student film. So 
a little bit out of touch here, kind of Woody Allen in that way where he writes for younger people and it doesn't seem quite contemporary. Interestingly, whereas Terry Gilliam initially had trouble getting this film made, now that he's made the movie, he's struggling to get it to distributors to get his movie shown to audiences. There have been legal entanglements about who actually owns this film. Portuguese producer Paulo Branco has in particular been trying to block its release. Gilliam already had lost control over its destiny. Amazon Studios had dropped out of the distribution deal that would have sent the film to theaters in the biggest markets for Gilliam, the U.S., and the U.K., and Canada. Later on, it was picked up by Screen Media, who is releasing it now. But what would a Gilliam film be without a share of background controversy and problems getting made and out there into theaters? Certainly, it's in keeping with that. The film is dedicated in the end to Jean Rochefort and John Hurt, two of Gilliam's Don Quixotes that were replaced in succession to continue to the tradition in previous efforts, much like the Don Quixotes of the film itself. That the elusive fantasy has now become reality, even if it's full of flaws and all, is the best thing I can say for Terry Gilliam's continuing to dream the impossible dream and get his film out there. So, this is a really tough call for me. I really admired so much of this film. And so much of it did not work for me at the same time. It's a borderline call. And you know what I do when I have a borderline call? I give it the lower of the two grades on a first-time watch. If I watch this again and I enjoy it more, or if it makes more sense to me then, and I assume like other Terry Gilliam films, it probably will, I'm going to give it a higher grade. But for right now, I can only give it two and a half stars out of four. Two and a half stars on my scale means that I do think that it had the tools, it had the talent to be a film I could wholeheartedly recommend to most people, but it just falls short of that. I think if you're a Terry Gilliam fan, you'll like this more than most. If you still don't know who that is or really care about Terry Gilliam's output previously, this film probably is more likely to be a miss for you because it's a narrative that doesn't really hold together in any kind of cohesive way. So two and a half stars out of four is the best I can give the man who killed Don Quixote, at least for now. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you did, I do encourage you to click that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And if you want to contact me about this film or any other film or just want to search for thousands of other films that I've reviewed in the past, you can go to my website. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. <laughs>